Hey there, it's Jake. Before we jump in, I wanted to let you know that this episode of The Online Hustle is a bit of a time capsule. It's from a podcast I used to run between 2012 and 2016. You're going to hear some references to that show, uh, to businesses and content that may have changed or may not even exist anymore. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Multimedia Marketing Show. I'm your host, Jake Hower, and I'm so glad that you can, you've come back for another episode. Rightio, this one is an absolute cracker. We have got Gideon Shalwick on the show. Now, in this interview, we go through a little bit about his history. We touch on how he's been able to duplicate numerous times success in YouTube by building an amazing audience. So you could almost say that he has systemized the process and we run through uh, some of the ideas and tips and strategies that he's used to implement in his own business. Uh, It's a cracking episode. As you may well be aware, Gideon is almost, I guess you could say he's the the king of YouTube. His, his material is excellent. He puts out nice, short, punchy, engaging videos. But more than that, he teaches people like you, people like me, how to leverage YouTube in your own business. So it's a great episode and I, I encourage you to listen to the entire thing and implement as much as possible. How are you, Gideon? I'm good. Thanks, Jake. Looking forward to the call. Yeah, me too. It's, it's certainly, when you're talking video and we're talking YouTube, you're pretty much the go-to guy. So I appreciate you taking the time today. Oh, no problem at all. You're very welcome. Cool. Fantastic. All right, Gideon, I think for those in the audience that don't know who you are, why don't uh, you give us a, a little bit of a, a background to who you are, what you were doing prior to finding the internet and finding YouTube, and yeah, talk a little bit about the empire you've built Sure. I'll try and give you the condensed version so that we can get to the meat of this nice and quick. But I just want to give you a bit of background to put things into perspective as well, because often people might look at my results and and think it's an overnight type of success, but it's certainly not been that way. It all started for me in terms of the online game about seven or eight years ago when I was stuck in a job back in New Zealand. It was a fine job, no problem with the job as such, but I had a problem with it for my own situation. And, and I appreciate also that it's not necessarily the same for everyone else. Everyone has a different approach to business and to jobs. But for me, having that job was not great. And it was not great for three reasons. One was that I was building an asset for someone else. The other reason was that the day I'd stop, I'd stop working would be the day that I stopped getting paid. And the third thing was that I felt that I couldn't quite live out my full creativity. So I, I wanted to have a change. So we decided to, my wife decided to quit our jobs back in New Zealand and immigrate to Australia. This was about six years ago and start a, an online business. And one of my first products was an ebook that I wrote. It's about 200 pages long. It took me 21 days to, to write this book and to get the website ready for it. I promoted the book with a joint venture partner. It went really well, got a lot of sales and got distributed to over 177 different countries around the world. And after I did that promotion, I thought, wow, this is fantastic. This must be the best thing since sliced bread because I was doing it all from uh, our bedroom in our little one bedroom apartment in the center of Brisbane here in Australia. But then something happened that really opened my eyes a bit. I got the book done in the first six months or so of starting my business. But then after that, we didn't know really what, where the next money was going to come from to grow the business or to pay the bills and stuff like that. We went without, you know, really going out or buying any new clothes or any nice luxuries like that for, for about a year and a half after that point. Just trying to figure out what we're supposed to do to get this internet game working for us. 
and we didn't have a car, we walked everywhere, used public transport. And then finally, I did start doing this interview series with some of the world's top internet marketers. And I asked them those sort of questions of how do you become successful? How do you drive traffic? All those main sort of questions to help me succeed. But I, I really wanted to, it was two purposes, one for me and also one to create a product and then to sell that product. Now, the difference with that set of interviews was that it was all done on video. And this was five years ago or so when you know no one else was doing any video. YouTube was only like a year old or something. And I had to learn everything from scratch. Now, that project never really took off, but it taught me a ton of things. It taught me all those success principles. I figured out how to track, figured out how to use online video. And since then, I teamed up with one of my first biggest successful projects with a project I did with Yarrow Starrick, another blogger here in Australia. We launched a program called Become a Blogger. We went from zero to about 10,000 followers in, a, in about a week and set up around about a $20,000 income a month business within that same launch. Once I finished with that project, I moved into the magic niche and I teamed up with a magician and a local magician in Brisbane. We took that business from the magician not really being known even in Brisbane all that much to a global phenomenon with over 10 million views on the YouTube channel and over 50,000 email subscribers, a very nice little project. And all of that was done on, on YouTube. And most of the traffic came from YouTube. It was just a fantastic case study for me. And then after that, I launched a rapid video blogging program that basically taught people what I've learned over, over the years uh, about video and video marketing. And similar sort of trends there, you know, built, went from, I think, about 3,000 followers for that business to about 15 in a, in a week when we launched. And I've been building that up ever since, about 30,000 followers for that business now. Very successful little business too, and mainly based on video as well. It's certainly been a wonderful uh, journey for me, and a video is, especially online videos, has served me extremely well. And to the effect now that the my information public publishing business is is largely on autopilot and which buys me a lot of time to to focus on my next activity which i, I guess we'll talk about a bit more in, in this call yeah absolutely well, thanks very much for that brief introduction I'll, I'll include some links in the show notes to a couple of interviews which i think also go into a little bit more depth on your background as well because it's a very interesting story and one of the things that really makes you the expert in a youtube video is the fact that you've repeated you've been able to repeat your success across multiple niches and that's it's not potentially unique but it certainly is very effective so you've obviously you found you found the steps that you need to take to be able to produce results yeah, that's right. I, and I think there is there are probably no, no big secrets here. I was just thinking before this interview, of all the strategies that I teach or that I follow, what, what are the key things? And it, I think it comes down to just taking action in, in the right direction, obviously, but taking action, a lot of people get the information, but don't do anything with it. And, and that's a big problem. There's no results unless you actually take action. So that's certainly been a, a big key thing that I've done in, in my businesses. Every time I learn a new strategy, I would go out and test it. And I, would, I would just take massive action on getting a result based on the information that I've learned. Obviously, trying out experiments for myself as well. And experimentation is really just a, a fancy word for taking action, especially if you don't know the direction you want to go, and you just start experimenting and, 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 and do trial and error. And, and as you go, you learn. And you know, through your own lessons that you learn, you, you become um, very knowledgeable and over time. It's a slower process, but definitely um, very powerful knowledge that you can build up that way. But action has certainly been uh, a key factor in, in helping me get success. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, uh, 
listeners, what we're going to cover in this interview is speaking about taking action. We're going to, going to briefly touch on some of Gideon's top tips for putting a system in place which removes all the barriers, effectively will stop you being able to, to, to make excuses for not shooting video. Then we're going to have a look at some of the tactics that Gideon uses to drive traffic and make money from YouTube. And we'll then have a look at some of the, the newer features of YouTube and how you can potentially use these to bring across more, even more traffic to your site. So Gideon, speaking about productivity thing, as I know from my perspective, as you say, taking action is where the money is really made. And for me, shooting video here in the office, uh, I know that I've had to really structure and systemize the shooting of video because as soon as the barrier to entry is increased, um, I'll just make an excuse and uh, find any excuse to not get out and shoot video. Have you found that this has been the case at any time during your career as well? Oh, absolutely. And in fact, that one of the first projects that I, that I mentioned earlier, the, the one where I interviewed all these big gurus in the internet marketing world, was exactly that. That was the one of the reasons why that project never really saw the day of light. I managed to record all the videos, but then I didn't really know how to edit them and how to get them online and how to how to get the right formats and how to stream them properly and all this stuff that went along with it, especially back then when it was such a new game still back then. Certainly, I, through that project, I, I realized that I've, I've got to find a way to get these videos done quickly, easily, and affordably. It's no point paying a ton of money for them to get them done. You want to get them done quickly, easily, and affordably, but also professionally. So I developed my, my own sort of little system for getting it done, and, and I talk about the system more in my... But basically, I've what you do is you figure out what are all the main components, all the main things you've got to do to be able to get your video online, and you break it down into little, little steps or, or blocks or stages. And then you ask yourself the question, which of these stages or, or actions do I need to be involved in? Is it possible to get someone else to help me get all the stuff done? Because it, it, it is a bit more involved, say, than just creating text content. But I've got it down to a fine art now where it's much faster for me to create video than it is text content. So I think Getting process together for your own situation is definitely very worthwhile. And asking yourself the question, does it really have to be me being part of that particular process? Does it even have to be me in front of the camera or can it be someone else? Ask yourself that question throughout the whole process. That's very important. The other thing that I found has been really instrumental is more the practical side of things in terms of the recording. And that is, you can set up some sort of a studio or have someone set it up for you. If you don't have the space, that can save you a ton of time. I just up until recently, I had a really nice big studio in my previous office where I would literally just walk. If I wanted to create a video, I would just walk in there, flick one switch. It would turn on all the lights, turn on the camera, sit on my little chair with a remote control, press record, do my thing, press stop, take the card out and upload the video to for my video editors. And that would be literally it. So to create a five-minute video would literally take me five minutes. And everything else, including the video editing, the uploading to YouTube or the YouTube content, getting it into iTunes, transcribing the video, creating some sort of backlinking strategy for it as well, all of that stuff gets taken care of 
for me and I just review it at the end and, and check it all off. So there's a ton, ton of things you can do there to speed up that process and to, like you say, remove those barriers for you to create video. Absolutely. I totally agree. And I, I know that's certainly something that we I did personally is I've systemized the steps it, it takes me to produce the video. And I found that for me, the I guess the biggest bottlenecks were around the editing process. And luckily I, I spent some time, about six months perfecting it and I'm now at the point very similar to where you are, where I can shoot some video and the next step for me is simply to upload it. And as soon as it's uploaded, it's taken off my hands. Now, I think the key for our listeners is that there are places um, on the net where you can get this done for you. I think if you don't want to uh, build a team or if you haven't got the time to build a team, you can get that part of the, the system outsourced. Absolutely. It's the, with the internet speeds much better now, it's still not nearly close to where I would like to see it in Australia, especially, but it's good enough to start definitely uploading some nice high definition video up to say Dropbox and sharing those files with your team or some sort of outsourced solution elsewhere. I, th I think you, you, you're working on something or you've. Yeah, I have it. Uh, video edits, which is essentially that it's a, an editing and syndication service, but there are certainly others out there. I know uh, a mutual friend of ours, James Shremko has a service called trafficshore.com. That's a similar service as well. I don't, uh, I, I don't uh, say that ours is the only one, but there are a number out there. And I think the key is that if that is where your bottleneck is to, to, to just get it outsourced and you, you'll instantly remove that bottleneck from your process. You'll be able to shoot more video. Yeah, and I, th I think that that is a fantastic way to look at it is, is in terms of bottlenecks. Is, you're probably familiar with the theory of constraints, Jake, from Eli Goldratt. Yes. You come across that fantastic information. If, if you can get your hands on any of uh, Eli Goldratt's books on, on the theory of constraints, it's just amazing. It's, you know, and it, it's basically the management uh, of bottlenecks. Um, that's what it's all about. And one of the first stages in, in helping you identify those bottlenecks is to figure out what is the actual system that you're using to, in your business. So in this case, to create video, you know, figure out exactly what is the exact process you go through for each video that you create. And then you ask yourself the questions, what is the biggest bottleneck there? And then once you've identified that, in, in your case, it was editing, and Jack, uh, in my case, it's been editing too. But next thing you do is, is you, you do everything you can to remove that biggest bottleneck. And that's not the end of it. That's just the beginning. Once you've solved that bottleneck, you move on to your next biggest bottleneck after that, that first one because you've just relieved the first one. Now there's another new biggest bottleneck. And then you focus your efforts on that to remove that. For example, your next bottleneck might be you in the sense that perhaps the content creation part of it could be the, the creative side could be a bottleneck where you might have to come up with all the content yourself, all the content ideas, and you have to be in front of the camera. And that might be a bottleneck for you. And so then you ask yourself the question, is it really necessary for me to be in front of the camera? Can it be someone else? Is, is there another way of, of doing this to relieve that bottleneck? Perhaps it's another bottleneck that where I transcribe videos, not me, but my team does. And that's very time consuming. And that's one of the simplest things to, to outsource as well. But it could also be a bottleneck if you're doing it yourself. So the big point here is that, like you say, you create the system, you figure out the bottlenecks, and, and then you remove them systematically as you, you go through that. That's one thing. The actual systemic or bottlenecks within your system. Now, there's another kind of bottleneck too that I found people struggle with even more. I think if you can remove these bottlenecks 
know, system that's going to help you psychologically look forward to them much better because it's easy, fast, and, and affordable. It's you're going to look forward to creating those videos much more than otherwise. But you may still have a mental block or a mental bottleneck, so to speak, if you're doing the videos yourself for being in front of the camera. And I'm not sure if you talk about that a little bit as well, Jay, because that's often something that, that my audience struggles with a lot. Yeah, it certainly is. And I have, I can see where you're going with this and I will have a little bit to add to it, but it's one of the, one of the biggest revelations I had prior to being able to shoot this was letting go and being able to just hit publish. And the point where I, I decided, right, that's it. I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm just going to hit publish. This isn't perfect, but it's ready to go out to market. And that was really the turning point for myself about six months ago. Fantastic. Yeah, this, I think there's certainly big emotions that come up with being in front of the camera. Even for extroverts, you know, some people are very good with other people, for example, but when they get in front of the camera, they can often freeze and not sure what, what to do in front of the camera. And I think it stems back to a couple of things. One is the fear of rejection. That's a big one. You know, it's very similar to public speaking. The only difference is that it's actually a little bit worse than public speaking because in public speaking, in general, you don't have that massive audiences, you might have maybe 200, 500, maybe even a thousand if you're becoming a good speaker. But in general, it's not that many in comparison to how many people could potentially view you online. It could be millions. And <laughs> I think in the back of our minds, we might often think, hey, this could be seen by millions of people. What are they going to think? What if they don't like it? So there's this subconscious uh, block there that that might prevent us from from wanting to record a video in front of the camera. And, it, and that's the sort of thing that frees us up. The other thing that I think doesn't help is, is the way we view ourselves and hear ourselves on video. You often, I think it's the case for everybody actually. It's not just people new to video. It's, it's everybody, even those who seem extremely comfortable on video. But it's how we look to ourselves and how we sound to ourselves you often hear people saying, hey, that, they watch themselves back on video and they cringe and they go, oh, that's, I don't look like that. I don't sound like that. And it's actually true. Uh, to yourself, it is a shock to your subconscious mind because to yourself, normally you sound and look different to watch on the video. I'm not sure if you've picked up on that, Jake. I'm sure you have been on video for such a long time. Yes, certainly. <laughs> So then this is obviously, it's common. Everybody experiences it. How do you, for those in your audience, how do you have any resources or do you have any tips for people getting over the mental? So the, the, let's look at the reason first for why this is happening. Uh, why, when we look at ourselves on video and, and hear ourselves on video, it, it seems so unacceptable. So there's a couple of reasons. The first one relates to the way we look on video and, and the second one is the way we sound. If I ask you the question, Jack, when you look at yourself most often, when would that be? In the mirror. Mirror. Okay. So obviously, that's a, not a true image of yourself, right? No, it's the opposite really, isn't it? So it's an opposite image of what you truly look like. and But to your subconscious mind, it's been used to seeing the mirror image of the true you for such a long time that it's, it's programmed to, to think that's the real you. So you see yourself on video, it's a, it's a mirror image of your mirror image. <laughs> so to your mind is uh, unacceptable. Your mind just goes, hey, hang on, I don't look like that. And the reason why it looks so different is because obviously our, perhaps not as obvious, uh, but quite often 
for most people, unless you're a super duper supermodel, our faces are not symmetric. And so when you flick it around in a mirror image, it looks different. Maybe your one eye is not quite as open as your other eye, or maybe your one nostril is bigger than your other one, which is the case for me. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so when it's flipped, I think your subconscious mind just goes, hang on, that, that looks weird. It doesn't look like me. What's funny, though, is when you ask all your friends and, and everyone else is watching the video, they would normally go, no, that does look like you, <laughs> even though you don't think so. So this, and the second issue is that you, you sound weird to yourself. And so same kind of thing. Normally, the, when you hear yourself, the sound is coming from your mouth. Obviously, the sound goes through the air and into your ear, but it also goes, it travels through your head and then to your eardrum as well. So it's a combination of those two that makes it sound a little bit weird. So when you hear the sound of your voice the first time through speakers, it's not coming from inside your head. Obviously, it's going to sound different. Um, so the cure for this is essentially to recondition your subconscious mind. And the only way that I've found to recondition your subconscious mind is through repetition. And what I mean by that is to basically repeatedly watch a video and listen to a video of yourself over and over until your subconscious mind is reset with that new image. Well, not new image, but the true image and the true sound of your voice. And over time, once you've done it enough, you won't look weird to yourself and you won't sound weird to yourself anymore. It's, and that's the only cure I've found so far. I guess the only other cure is never to look at yourself in, when, in, in the videos and, and just to record it and, and never look at the result. <laughs> Which is a little bit impractical. <laughs> Yeah. So that'd be what I recommend if you're, if you're a bit, if you don't like seeing yourself on video. And the other recommendation for if you're freaked out about potentially being seen by millions, first of all, I think it's only something like 1% of videos on YouTube that, that has over a million views. It might be even smaller. It's, it's a tiny percent. I've got to double check that number, but it, it really is tiny. If you're getting, you know, once again, I've got a freshen up on my stats here, but last time I looked, it was something like if, if you're getting over 2,000 views per video on your YouTube channel, you're in the top 80% or sorry, top top uh, 20% of YouTube views, which is quite revealing. It, so it's not that many views. And most channels, especially new ones, only get like a few hundred and, and you know, tens of tens of views on their, uh, on their videos. So that's, that's not a, you may not have such a big audience after all, one thing to keep in mind. And the other thing is when you're recording a video, it's in front of a freaking camera. It's, it's not like it's an actual person. And the beauty of uh, video, of course, is that you, if you don't like the recording, you can just do it again and you can edit things out. I watched one of your previous videos, Jake, where you showed your setup, which is just fantastic. And I like how you showed how, how you essentially make mistakes and things like that and ums and ahs and look at your notes and things like that. And, and you just cut that out afterwards and the end result is just fantastic. So yeah, you've got, it's a camera is a thing. It's not an actual person and, and you've got the, the magic of editing to, to make you look spotless. Yeah, absolutely. You can even touch up, like you could probably even shrink a nostril as well or something like that. All right, um, viewers. Let's say now that you've you've got over the hump, or, or you've you've removed all your bottlenecks through any editing process, or the bottleneck or the mental bottleneck of getting on camera. Now, the real, I guess, the important part now is putting your videos on YouTube and driving traffic, or or driving traffic. More than that, driving driving the bottom line. Now, Gideon, 
would you mind running us through some tips or some suggestions for our viewers as to how they can best leverage the videos they pop up on YouTube? Sure. I think one overarching thing to keep in mind here is that it's not just about getting views on YouTube. It's much, much more than that. There are many videos, for example, on YouTube that gets a lot of views, millions and millions of views, but there's, that's it. That's just a video that gets the views from that point onward. Nothing else really happens. Now, if you're using YouTube for uh, building any kind of a following or building a business or even a charity, any kind of a cause, then you need to think a bit more about your overall strategy. And it really all starts with your content strategy. What is it that you want to upload to YouTube? What kind of content? And that is super important. You can't just upload any kind of video and then expect that to go viral. Um, you need to do a little bit more homework to, to try and build your audience there. And you build your audience through, through creating the content that they absolutely love that they want to share with all their friends. So that is really the starting point of the overall strategy or the overarching thing. You got to have great content that you upload to YouTube. And YouTube will reward you for that over time. You know, that, that's the name of the game. If you content is still king. And I was just reading through a very interesting report just that got sent to me earlier today that content is certainly not going away. And especially paid content is something to watch out for in the future as well. A lot of people used to say that paid content would uh, be a thing of the past, but I think that is, we ain't seen nothing yet. There's a big growth area. So it really comes down to having great for your target audience. But a level down from that then is to still strategic. It's still not just about views. It, it's a, the way that I look at it is it's a, a series of conversion steps for growing your following and for growing your business. So, so if we apply this to business or any organization really. So obviously the first point is getting your videos on there and getting some views. So increasing your views is, is the first thing. Without views, you can't really do much more. Well, you need the content and then the views is next. The next thing in line is to turn those views into traffic to your own online assets. And, and what I mean by that is your own say your squeeze pages or landing pages or your website or your blog, you need to figure out ways to redivert that traffic from YouTube onto your own online assets. And that's super important. Similarly, as with Twitter and Facebook, you don't actually own your own channel on YouTube. You, you don't own your own profile there. YouTube owns your own profile. And Facebook, in the case of Facebook, they own your own profile. And it's not your own asset. And remember how I talked about owning my own asset back at the beginning of this call? That was very important to me. So you've got to drive that traffic to your own online assets and build your own business, collect your own, build your own database of email subscribers, for example, on your own website. So views, first thing, get turn those views into traffic. From there, the next stage is to turn that traffic into leads. And for me, it's normally in the, in, the, in the form of getting people's name and email address or just email address in the list. And then from there, the next step is to start thinking about sales. So there's, there's a good, it was a one, two, three, four, five conversion stages there. So it's from content to views, to traffic, to leads and to sales. So once again, it's, it's not just the views. You, you got to look at the bigger picture here. The other thing to keep in mind also is that it, once again, it really is not just about views, but from another perspective, if 
if I were to give you the option of getting a million views from uh, a group of teenagers who don't have access to a credit card or a uh, hundred views from a hundred millionaires who do have access to credit cards and uh, lots of money, what would you prefer? That a million views on, on your video from teenagers or a hundred from a hundred uh, millionaires? Yeah, I think that's quite clear unless you've got an amazing talent like a Bieber or something like that, which the vast majority of us don't. So it's a pretty clear, it's a pretty clear choice. Yeah, exactly. And we can't rule out those sort of cases where, you know, the Justin Bieber kind of cases or the gunman style videos, yeah. uh, they, they do work, um, but it's by far the vast uh, minority of, of videos that, that go uh, go viral on, on YouTube. If, if your video is not going to go viral, you need to have a secondary sort of a strategy perhaps to build your views and your traffic in your business. You, you can't just rely on a, a viral a viral strategy because it's if, if, if it's not going to happen, then you'll struggle. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's really probably the issue for a lot of people get caught up with, yeah, with, with views and measuring the wrong things. And I think this is probably being key to all your success online is the fact that you don't look at that at all. You're looking at the bottom line and you've implemented a set of steps, which is you've created businesses. And I think that's the key. So it's a, it's a simple process, or I'm sure you've probably got a number of checklists that you use to create these, these businesses, but then they're repeatable. Absolutely. What I've just explained there is content, you use the content to drive, you know, to get views on YouTube, and there's a ton of things you can do to increase your views, obviously, but then use the views for traffic and then leads and sales. And that, that really is a business in a sense because there's, you can pretty much divide that into two halves. The one half is essentially traffic, traffic, and the other half is conversion, conversion into leads and sales. And the conversion side has a lot to do with things you offer for, for free, for, for get turned for an email, but also things you offer in return for, for payment. And the traffic, about obviously the views and the traffic, the views, yeah, the views and the traffic to your site. So it's actually very simple when you, when you break it down. And so it's not a complicated formula for setting up a business. And it's essentially that same structure that I've used for setting up the become a blogger business for setting up the the magic business, for setting up the, the rapid video blogging business, for setting up now also the my, my personal blog business. It's, for, it's got a similar structure. And even now with, it's not an information publishing business, but the Splashio business that I'm working on, it's following a very similar structure once again to build the business. So it's definitely a repeatable model and it works. Yeah, absolutely. It does, it does. Now, if we can, let's jump back a little bit. And we are talking earlier about some of the bottlenecks surrounding yourself. And I've noticed you're obviously continually, continually improving. And a couple of things I've noticed recently is that A, you've brought, you've started to bring on, I think it's the first of obviously a, a number of guests or guest, guest bloggers that you want to bring on to your, to your YouTube channel, being Chris Ducker being the first one. And two, you've also recently, I believe, refined your equipment. So you were on DSLR and I believe you're coming back to bringing it down to basics again, back down to an iPhone. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Let's tackle the first one first, the video blog. thing. I've, I've really started playing around with it. I'm not sure if it's a strategy that I'd, I'd continue, at least not for my personal video blog, my GDNShelver.com blog. And the reason for that is I think people go there and see me they don't 
go there to see someone else. Now, I, I, I think I got a bit of that a feeling along those lines with the previous, my first test video blog post. So I'm not sure if I'll continue that, but I don't see it as a bad strategy at all for, say, a branded type of business where, you know, Revision 3, for example, is a great example. There's a lot of, I think, eHow as well. There's a lot of channels on YouTube where they have a lot of experts come on board to, to submit their videos to create content. And so it's not about any particular individual. It's about the content and the brand. So I think that is a fantastic strategy for building your content, get other experts on board, but then brand it accordingly. Don't brand it as your personal thing. From the beginning, kickstart it with the emphasis on the brand and that you're going to have different video bloggers come on board for that. I think that's a, a, a nice, clean strategy. The trouble is if, if you're building the brand yourself, um, I think Yara was experiencing this a little bit, if you're building the brand yourself and then switch over to a, a guest blogging uh, model, um, I'm not sure if that actually works. Perhaps it can, but it, it requires a lot of effort to change that momentum that you've built up and that relationship that you built up with you personally and then changing that over to having the relationship with other people. I'm not sure if it's a great strategy. I think you're better off starting off with, with the brand as a standalone thing and then separate people underneath the brand submitting their content. The second thing you asked about was uh, my video equipment and streamlining that. For that one, I think what's important to note there is that it's horses for courses. There are so many different cameras out there and, and so many different kinds of videos. And it really depends, I, I think, on the kind of video that you're trying to create. I have mainly, say, three different kinds of videos that I create in general. The first type is, or the first kind is uh, traffic and, and relationship building type of video. And these are the videos that I upload to YouTube normally. So the purpose of them is to build a relationship with my audience and to, to build a following, to build, build that, that, those views and, and traffic. The second kind of video that I create are a more uh, promotional type of video. So let's just go step, step back. So, so for the traffic and relationship building videos, I think if you can figure out a nice streamlined way, an easy way, affordable way of doing that's great. So I've been experimenting with just using my iPhone for those videos more recently, and that's working fantastically. So the, the second kind is in the sales and promotional videos, not just sales videos, but also lead generation videos and this sort of thing. For that in general, I like them to be in a, at a bit higher quality. So I would use my uh, DSLR camera for those still. And, and then similarly for the third category, would be, which would be my uh, product videos. Uh, I'd want to have them at a, a higher quality. So I'd use my DSLR camera for that as well. So it's a really, I, I think it's sources for courses. When it comes to say, and these are not videos that I normally do myself, but if I were to run an event, then I would use a totally different camera. You know, I'd, I'd get a professional to come in and record the whole show with their professional video camera. And so we've got three video cameras already there for those four different applications. You probably can cover most options with those three types of cameras. If you wanted to, if you wanted to stay real lean, you can just use your iPhone. Get a nice microphone that you can plug into it. With You need to get a special cord with it. But seriously, you can record some amazing videos with just your iPhone. But it's not going to be as flexible as perhaps a DSLR camera for creating some beautiful videos. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess for the vast majority of our, our, our listeners, if they haven't, experience video or if they don't know if they're if they can commit to video 
uh, the, most of you will have an iPhone, so at least you can test the market straight or test test a process to see if you can actually get it down pat. So rather than having to go out and spend a whole heap of money on upgrading your equipment, you've more than likely got the, all the equipment you need in the palm of your hand right now. Absolutely. And, and I think it, I did Jules Watkins say this once. He is the iPhone video hero guy. It was something along the lines of, in terms of if there's a question, if you have a question, which camera should you use? It should just be whatever camera you have with you at the time. Yeah. And I think that's a good general advice. Just use whatever you've got, get started with it and get some, get something online and get some runs on the board before you start really investing a ton of money on expensive equipment. Sure. Now, there's a couple of new features um, that have been announced by YouTube over the, the last couple of months. The first one was in-video programming. Now, I saw a video that you pop, pop, put out about that a few weeks ago. How are you finding or uh, have you got any stats on how it's working for you, this particular feature? Unfortunately, I haven't really looked at tracking the, the stats for that. I don't think in YouTube it, it tells you exactly how many clicks you're getting on your little in-video uh, annotation perhaps you do i i know they've introduced some stats for annotation but to be honest i have I haven't really looked at that but intuitively i can say that it's very likely that you will increase views to that one particular little video um, if, if you have it sitting on on all your videos uh, especially if you have an attractive uh, thumbnail for that little video yeah, sure. Uh, that's something we've discussed in previous episodes a little bit about thumbnails. And I certainly, I've found that they've increased click-throughs or, or plays of the video. And I'm sure that you've probably experienced something very similar. Oh, it's super important. I'm not sure if there are any regular um, YouTube video watchers out there. I'm sure there are. If you've got your own channel and you subscribe to other channels, I'm not sure how, how everyone else does, but certainly the way I do it is when I look through every, I look at it every single, more than once a day. I'm making a, uh, a revelation there. I do check my YouTube channel quite often every day. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, there's one other feature which was only announced, I believe, over the weekend. You probably haven't had a chance to have a look at it, but the associated website annotation links. Have you had, had a look at that at all? Associated websites, yes. Just before I go into that, I was, just wanted to finish off what I was saying there about watching your channel. When, whenever I look at my channel, sorry, my, my subscriptions, I, the first thing I look at is the image of, of the video. And so and then if that grabs my attention, I will look at the text. So you certainly, it's super important to, to make sure you get your thumbnails right for your videos. Very important. Just to give an example for what I used for my little in-video little thumbnail, I used the text in really big and bold, free video clips that boost your channel. So people can easily read that even when it's very small. And so when they see the word free, you know, that's a, an old copywriting trick, uh, grabs their attention and they want to see what it is about. And, you know, they're much more likely to click on the video then as well. Um, that's just applicable to, to my video in my case. I think in general, carefully about how you can create thumbnails, not just for your in-video video, but also for all your other videos too. Now for the associated website, that is pretty cool as well. That's that's been around for a bit longer than the in-video one. What's fantastic about that is that they you can link your your main website to your to your YouTube channel. And just recently they've started rolling out the ability to have annotations, clickable annotations inside your videos 
so that when you click on that annotation, it will actually take you to that associated website. I haven't got that in my channel yet. I'm not sure if you've got that already, Jake. No, I haven't. I haven't. But uh, I saw over the weekend that they apparently had rolled it out to everybody, but I, I haven't been able, had a chance to look at it yet. I haven't. I have. It's uh, it's Monday here today, so I haven't checked that feature yet. So I'll check it out after this call. Actually, so <laughs> feature. I've actually been. I guess the reason why they haven't done it is because it drives traffic away from their own site with YouTube. So it's been a clever strategic move on their part, but it's something that I think a lot of people have been asking for and screaming about. So perhaps they finally yeah, given in and giving people what they're asking for, which is fantastic. Yeah, it is, and is it potentially has big implications for for your ability to be able to convert traffic where you want it to. Absolutely. Yeah. So this the only caveat, of course, is that you can only send traffic to one link. Yeah. Quick look, look here on my channel. I, I don't see the ability to to do it just yet in my channel, Jake. So maybe I'm one of the unlucky ones. So. <laughs> All right. That's great. Gideon, what about what are you working on at the moment? So you're talking about the fact that your information business or information product business is running almost on autopilot. Are you still producing products for that or are you working on some other things? I haven't been very active in, in creating my own products, information products anymore. I've more been just building traffic and building relationship with, with my audience. So that I do have products in the, in the back end of the business that people can purchase and that they get introduced to as they go through my business funnel. But that's certainly not been uh, an emphasis for me. The, the emphasis, especially for the last year, has been uh, focusing on, on the new Splashio.com uh, business. What ends you? I'm sure not many of our listeners are probably familiar with the business uh, Splashio. Um, why don't you run through a little bit about what it is? Sure. All right. So, so the vision for the business, for the Splashio business, is really to remove those obstacles that we talked about before, those bottlenecks for people to allow them to get their voice heard and to get seen around the world. And, and I think there's a lot of people who who are struggling. Perhaps they're struggling because of the technical issues. Perhaps they're struggling with the process issues. But perhaps they're struggling because they don't feel that their videos look good enough. And perhaps they they can't afford an expensive video editor or even an outsourced video editor. And, and, and Or maybe they just don't have the time or skill to to use these expensive video editing programs. So with the Splash Show, the, video, the vision is to remove all those sort of obstacles to help people create amazing videos really quickly, really easily, and really affordably too. So the first way of doing it is to just help lift people's, uh, do two things, help lift people's production value of their videos with some clever animated little video clips, custom ones. And secondly, to help them make their videos more effective. So to get them, help them get more views, help them get more subscribers, more comments, more likes, and all this sort of stuff. Um, and the way we're doing that is, is by offering people three, three, three things at the moment. One is animated little uh, video intros, just animates your logo for you, a little five to 10 second video clip that you get with your logo animated. The second one is with adding some lower thirds, animated lower thirds to your videos, which you can use for just if you're on the video, for example, just to introduce yourself or the topic of the video is pretty handy for that sort of thing, just to, to lift the professional look and feel of your video. And then the third one, which we've just released a couple of weeks ago, is the some animated outros or calls to actions for your videos. And this is really where you know it comes uh, comes back, getting more views, getting more subscribers, and comments and likes, and and more of the social stuff. This is or or more traffic to your site. And and this is where you can basically add a little video clip 
with a specific call to action at the end of it. And we've had some very amazing test results uh, that we've run. For example, I ran a test where I uploaded exactly the same video to my YouTube channel. I uploaded them both as unlisted ones so didn't, they didn't go public. The only difference between the two was the one had a little outro at the end of it with a call to action and the other one didn't. And this call to action asked people basically to, to leave a comment and to like the video. And so then I, what I did then was I sent a split test email to both those videos. So 50% of the emails went to one video and 50% went to the other video. And so the one with the outro had an amazing result, much better than I actually thought. I knew there'd be an improvement, but I didn't realize it's going to be so high. So the one with the outro had a 160% increase in comments compared to the other one and 194% increase in likes compared to the other one. So to me, that was like an overwhelmingly positive result. And what was interesting about that was that it was a fairly generic kind of a, a call to action. It wasn't even very specific to my brand business. So that was very encouraging. And so what we've released now is for people to create their own little outros with their own custom text and custom graphics in there to get even better results. Yeah, that's excellent. I've got a little bit to add to that. Is that I went through the process prior to even knowing, or if, in fact, it would have been before Splasher was launched publicly. And I went through Fiverr and I can guarantee the list that you listeners out there that if I had known about Splasher before investing the time and uh, into getting something produced from by Fiverr, it would have been absolutely no question about it straight to Splashio because even though we're talking $5 to get something done, I would have spent three or four hours trying to first wade through all the different options and then second coordinate with, with, with the Fiverr deal how to actually get it done. Your product, Gideon, is super easy. It's very straightforward. It basically steps you right through the process of choosing the videos, the music, your call to action. And very well priced as well. So I can tell you right now, anything in the future will be that I need will be going straight through Splashio. Oh, marvellous. Thank you for that, Jake. I think one more thing to add regarding the outros, and I think this is very important. Personally, when I'm looking at a lot of videos, I tend to switch off as soon as somebody starts, as soon as somebody starts winding up. And I, I guess the big thing about your outros for what I've seen of, of your samples on your site is that they're very engaging and they're quite unique. So I think that would actually help snap people back to uh, attention. And I think that's very important as well. So I think you're onto a very good thing with those. I, th I think the difference also between say what we're doing in, in Splash and, and what some people might find on, on a site like uh, Fiverr is that with um, with Splashio, it, it's it's not really just animations and little video clips that you get. You're actually getting much, much more than that. You're getting all the years worth of um, trial and error that I've had online. And, and I've studied conversion a great deal and, and copywriting a great deal and, and psychology a great deal and, and how to move people to action with video a great deal. And so all of those things are infused into what you get. So it's you don't just get a, a video clip. You get a lot of business and human psychology and helping move people to action, helping to persuade people as part of as part of what you're getting. I don't know if, if you'd be getting that sort of a thing from someone who works for $2.50 an hour in another part of the world. Perhaps you could, but I, I think 
more likely to find someone who's perhaps has a good video editing skill, but perhaps not much knowledge when it comes to marketing and, and using video to promote your business. So I think that's an extra added thing that, that people get that they may not always realize. Yeah, absolutely. And it goes along the lines of having your web designer teach you about SEO, which you, most website, web designers I know don't know a thing about SEO. Exactly. Fantastic. All right, Gideon, I really appreciate you coming on the call. Again, I, I'm conscious that I've, I've taken up too much of your time. So again, I really appreciate it. Where can our, where can our listeners find out a little bit more about you and some your products and also Splashio? I'll give you a couple of uh... Jake, the first one is, is probably best if people want to learn more about me. It's just my name, GideonShalwick.com. And I'm sure you'll perhaps have a, a link below this call as well, Jake. And also then for the Splash Show, it's just, it's just a splash with an EO at the end for, for video. So Splashio, instead of video, it's Splashio.com. Splashio.com. And you can, there's some free stuff you can get there. And also if, if you're interested in the custom stuff, there's a link at the top that takes you to the custom animations. Yeah, that's great. And as you said, yes, I'll be providing a link to the show notes. So it's a multimediamarketingshow.com forward slash Gideon. Or you can just visit the Multimedia Marketing Show and take go straight through to this particular episode. We'll include all the links we've discussed in the video and also a link to some of the products that Gideon offers as well. Okay, Gideon, thanks again for, for coming on. I've got one more favor that I'd, I'd like to ask of you. Sure. Uh, would you mind popping across to the show notes every now and then and just answer any questions that any of our listeners have uh, but below the show notes? Sure, no problem at all. Fantastic. So, listener, if you've got any queries at all of Gideon, if you head across to the show notes at multimediamarketingshow.com forward slash Gideon, you can use the comment section uh, to ask any questions and more than likely you'll get a response from Gideon. So uh, head across there and um, we'll see if we can, we'll ensure that we get to any queries you have answered. Brilliant. Thanks, Jack. Fantastic. Okay, Gideon, thanks very much for coming on. Uh, hopefully we get to touch base again at some stage in the future. But again, I really appreciate the time you've taken today and I'm sure our listeners have got a lot out of this particular episode. Brilliant. Thanks, Jack. Uh, all the best to everyone listening and, and uh, look forward to seeing all your wonderful results. All the best. That's great. Thanks, Gideon.